How's everybody doing? Everybody not good? It's football season, y'all. Come on now. I saw a Cardinals. Anybody else getting? I saw a Cardinals shirt. Anybody else? Roll tie. Well, sure, of course. Uh, yeah, trying to butter me up. Um, it's also it's also nine eleven. How about that? Fifteen years, right? Y'all remember where you were fifteen years ago? I mean, just like it's just like it happened yesterday. To be honest with you, um, it's kind of crazy. Um, so we're going to talk about today. Um, uh, we're starting a new study in the Book of Corinthians. And it's going to be about five weeks long, I think, with one little uh, week off that we'll do. Um, but uh, we're going to be talking about Paul and his, you know, this letter. It's what, he, it's what he's done here to, to the church at Corinth. He, he wrote a letter. And I must put these on to read my notes. Um, so he's on this third missionary journey, like we've talked about over the last several weeks, as, as we've been introduced to Paul, uh, Saul originally, and then changed his name to Paul uh, in the book of Acts. Um, but right now, he's on his third missionary journey, and he's uh, going into, um, going through Galatia and into Ephesians, where he will, in year three of his ministry, he will write the book uh, of, or write the letter to the first uh, Corinthian church. Uh, and Brandon and Jason have both mentioned this in the past few weeks. Um, after his conversion, he became the most prolific church planter slash missionary, or switch those two around, that's on record in the Bible. And it's because of this fact that he was a church planter and missionary that we have uh, about two-thirds of the New Testament. And these are, these are letters that he's written. Um, and back to... Uh, these churches, and they both contain they they contain both general uh, information for for Christian life, and they also contain specific verses to each of these churches. And we're going to look at both of those and 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 kind of pour through those. But over the next four or five weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, specific and general instruction as they pertain to division in the church, as they pertain to the message, ministry, and authority of the gospel as they pertain to sexual immorality and lawsuits among the church and practical issues surrounding marriage and divorce. And it's also important to uh, know the difference as we d- delve deeper into the scriptures, what is general, what is specific, because it gives us context. So as we introduce this first uh, letter to the church of Corinth, I think we need to be aware of a few things. And one, you know, we'll point that out before we read the scripture is this. Paul's posture, Paul's posture as it relates to his calling Paul's position as it relates to sanctification and Paul's positive encouragement to the church, which is a byproduct of not lacking. So we'll read that. Keep those in mind. We'll read um, the scripture together. It'll be on the screen behind me, but let's pray first. Father, um, just want to thank you uh, this morning for, for life, um, for our lives. Um, just, just that we're free to come to a place, gather in your name, worship you with really out any, without any fear of, of, uh, uh, of persecution or, you know, just strange goings on. We just, um, we're reminded of that on, on 9-11, uh, of lives lost, countless uh, American lives. Um, and we just, we just thank you this morning that even in all the mess, 
before, during, and since. Father, you reign, you're on high, you're sovereign, and that you love us. Father, we love you, and as we look into your word today, Father, just open our hearts and minds. In your name we pray, amen. Um, so, uh, Jason said, I dare you to say 1 Corinthians, but you know, I'm not going to do that. I know. So we'll start in uh, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and by our brother Sosthenes. Is that pretty close? Any Bible scholars? To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, And the Lord Jesus Christ. I will always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless. On the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this portion of the letter is a greeting and also an exhortation to the church. Um, As with all of Paul's letters, he he sets the tone early um, in that he establishes their and his calling and that they, the church, are cherished. It's, it's good to be cherished, right? Um, word had reached Paul that this church, um, this Christian community, this small group of believers had fallen into a variety of serious moral errors. The dominant pagan culture, that, and we'll talk about that in a minute, Cor- Corinth was famous for these. They crept into the church to the point where it was alarmingly prevalent, and it was hard to tell the believers from the non-believers. So if we use our imaginations, we might find that Paul could be writing this letter to us as well. But this letter was not a spanking. Uh, okay, it was. It, it's kind of a spanking. Um, but, it's, but his love for the church, the, the evidence that, that he's given in these letters, uh, lets us know that A, he loved them, B, the spanking, though verbal, was deserved and in line. And aren't verbal spankings enough sometimes? I don't know. Okay, none of y'all spank anymore, right? Any parents spank? No, don't raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, there we go. A couple of truth tellers. But I lost track of how many times I spanked Benton growing up. You know, it wasn't really that many. I just I lose track. So um, I guess it's because I, I didn't lose track of how many times I spanked Taylor, which was zero. And so, call that fair, boy, girl, I don't know. Um, but we, we discipline, at least we should as parents, right? Because we love and we want to correct behavior, right? So, do um, you remember your mom, mom and dad telling you this? This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, right? Yeah, right. I didn't believe it as a kid. Um, but it's so right. I mean... Um, you know, it's those times that we're really caught off guard, uh, like when our kids are misbehaving in public around somebody, and they, they don't ever act that way, right, uh, in public, but um, where, we, where we react in anger, 
that, that those times uh, that we get embarrassed as parents, which is rooted in pride, which is also a sin, by the way. Um, these are the times that I've had to go to my children and, and apologize and then ask their forgiveness and then explain to them how they were really wrong, but I shouldn't have acted the way that I did. But we can tell from Paul's greeting and introduction to the church in Corinth that he truly loves them and cares for them as a church. And when we, when we say church, keep in mind that we're talking about a, a loose group of believers not gathered in a fancy building like this, right? Like this is fancy. Um, meeting in homes, encouraging each other, um, doing for each other, um, and supporting each other. Uh, as, they, as they learn this new way of life. If we think about it, um, this letter was written, I think, around, I, I'm fixing to lie, uh, 80 A.D., maybe, give or take, 50 or so years after the death and resurrection of Christ. So um, this, is, this, is not, this has not been going on very long. This group of believers, um, it, this, this faith thing is new. We, we have... 2,000 years of history and the Bible on our side now. These folks did not have that. Corinth was a trade center known for its art and for its philosophy, but it's also known kind of as a wild town full of vice and immorality. Uh, and some of these new believers, this new church was really struggling. And so Paul took the opportunity to write them this letter. Um, 15 years ago next month, um, 15 years ago next month, so November. I traveled with one of my, uh, I guess, spiritual mentor, heroes of faith, that kind of thing. I traveled with him down to uh, my first mission trip down in the Yucatan. And the reason I remember that vividly is because it was right after 9-11, and the plane was nearly empty. Remember, nobody traveled for a while. The airports were shut down, and then just nobody traveled, you know. we were in a hotel, and there was only one other occupant in the whole hotel uh, in Merida. Um, and he re- wore a red shirt to breakfast every morning. And I remember that. That's just weird. But there's, there was nobody there. Anyway, I met uh, a man who, like Paul, literally gave his life for the gospel. His name was Harlan Caps, And he was a pilot flying relief flights uh, into Mexico for a living. And when he, when he, um, when he landed in Mexico... He immediately fell in love with the people, although he couldn't really understand them. He fell in love with the culture. He fell in love with um, just the country as a whole, though it wasn't his own, you know. Um, and he loved Jesus, and, so, and he recognized that these people need Jesus. So he did what anybody would do. He sold everything that he had, quit his job, moved to Mexico, and opened a Baptist seminary. So everybody does that, right? Um, anyway, so, um, he was really the first, first church planter that I really ever met. I didn't even know what church, I didn't, we didn't even call it that back then. Um, and I can't remember how many pastors that he had run through his seminario Bautista. Is that right? Close enough? Um, but I want to say it had been about 10 years and he'd probably run 150 pastors through. And so he was, he was building a network in the Yucatan of these Spanish-speaking, Mayan, little short guys, um, that just, that he was teaching about Jesus and teaching them how to pastor and all this stuff, and he was sending them out. So if ever curious, I, I asked him about, so like, what are, what are your hardships? 
what are your hardships down here? And my thought was I'm going to ask him about his hardships in, in life just having moved to Mexico. Well, he immediately defaulted to church. He immediately defaulted to uh, these little churches. And one in particular struck me. Uh, and keep in mind, this is Mayan culture with thousands of years of religious rituals and uh, many other influences, astrological, cultish. Uh, there was a huge Catholic influence, but everything there was added to. It was like Catholic plus. It was religion plus. It was everything there they added to. And so he's in there, he's in there teaching a, a biblical theology to these guys, sitting them out um, and, and telling them it's Christ alone. You know, no need for the cultural stuff, no need for whatever. But he talked about this one church in particular that they had to disband because they had this local tradition that kept creeping back into the church. And one in particular was very alarming to me. It was called holy vomiting. I don't know what that is in Spanish, but uh, it was holy vomiting. And this was in one of his Baptist churches. He assured me that this was not some of his training um, in the seminary. Uh, but after trying to purge, never mind, uh, this from their religious practices, he ended up having to, to uh, withdraw the pastor and move him to another, another body, replanted him basically. So, so we can see how old religious influences uh, can creep back in to our complete gospel. And we do this too, don't we? We do this. We carry around our own religious baggage, right? Um, as if... Christ's finished work on the cross was not enough. We bring in something. We add, we add to it. It may not be holy vomiting, but we add to it. Um, the gospel stands alone. When Christ on the cross said it is finished, he wasn't talking about um, necessarily his life. Uh, in total, he was. He was saying, this work that I've done, this blameless life that I've lived, this, uh, this beating that I just took, everything... Uh, this everything is finished. The finished work is on me, and it's over. It's done. Um, so anything we add, be they traditions or cultural things, are not necessary. Jesus died once and for all for, for all of us. So here's Paul's letter to the spiritually struggling, struggling Corinthian church, and the letter was not intended to bash them for their failings, but more so to encourage and correct. Encourage and correct. That's a good word for parents, too. I think that's the best parenting advice I think we can give uh, each other is, is encourage and correct. Um, but also to act, actively cultivate holy lives as they emulate Jesus. So in this, Paul gives both general and he gives specific instruction to the congregation. And over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack the general, but also look at the specific. But the main point of the letter to this body today, and generally uh, speaking to us today, is this message of unity. Like the church in Corinth, we all have different backgrounds, right? I mean, we all come from different places. Uh, we have different callings, different family dynamics, different traditions, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, but for some reason, at, some, at this point in time, we're all here together in this church at ANC this morning. And we're here to be working together, unified in mind and purpose. And that is to live out the gospel in our families, among our neighbors, in our schools, in our workplaces, as we emulate Jesus. But in the text today, we're going to see three things that should encourage us as a body. And Paul, Paul's recognition were, were that we all have, that we were all called, A, 
We were all sanctified or set apart, and we're all not lacking. None of us. None of us are lacking. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correlate the calling to uh, Paul's posture. Um, I don't know if you know, noticed this, but the, um, what were my words? They were POS words. <laughs> posture, position, and positive encouragement. I have no idea why I did that. But um, in verse 1, we see Paul said uh, he was called as an apostle in Christ Jesus. In verse 2, we see that we are called to be holy people. Every follower of Jesus has a unique calling. And in two weeks, I think it's two weeks, uh, Chris Marlowe, founder of Help One Now, is going to be here. Uh, and he's going to be sharing his own uh, calling, if you will, his own experience and calling. So you'll want to be here for that, September 25th. So call. We see this, we, we see this theme over and over again in Paul's teachings. He, he always starts out a letter as, a, as one called by Christ, as one uh, who has answered the call. And uh, he had this, you'll remember this, it wasn't just a few weeks ago, that he had this real personal experience on the road to Damascus, right? It was real and it was personal. And the Lord stopped him and said, Paul, why are you, why are you persecuting me? Uh, and then he struck him blind, and then he told him where to go and how to, how to uh, regain his sight. But isn't it interesting that, um, and somebody, I think somebody touched on this last week, and it was over in this area, I'm not sure, you may be here this week or what. Um, that God took the one thing from Paul that, that we all depend on daily, and he depended on uh, for survival, because back in uh, this time, uh, being blind reduced you to begging, basically. Unless you had family, unless you had a network, you were reduced to begging if you were blind. You couldn't get around, you couldn't work, uh, you couldn't just take care of uh, day-to-day stuff, and you had, to, you had to rely on the charity of others, right? That's why they were reduced to begging. Um, so I venture to guess most of us have never had our sight taken away. Um, but whatever's happened to us as followers of Jesus could have been, may have been, just as dramatic. I look at the call in my life, and it was more of a process. There was nothing really dramatic about it, um, but it was a process over time. I'd say years, a lot, a lot of years. Um, but for those of us who are called, we're also sent. We use this word a lot around here. Meaning we're disciples, we're supposed to call and make disciples, right? As disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, and on and on and on. Um, but we make them in our neighborhoods, on our, you know, on our street, at our work. Uh, or it could be that you get called far away. But we've all been sent. And this is how this thing works. As a disciple of Jesus, we're going to make uh, disciple-making disciples. And that's just, that's the Great Commission. That's, how, that's how, why Jesus commissioned us to do so. You know, if, if that had not happened, if the commission had not happened, maybe, I, w- I was going to say that, that the whole movement would have died. But I think there's something so exciting and vibrant about uh, this message of the gospel that it just naturally happens. But, I, but if, if it's not, if we've gotten to a, a place of complacency, there's always that great di- commission that says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, th- that's our calling. That's what we're supposed to do. We've all been sent. If you're a disciple uh, of Christ, you've been sent. We carry this. I thought about this and I, as I was preparing for this, and I thought this is a strange thought, but I think it's true. Uh, we, we all carry the same clout as the very first disciples. The very same. They were written about 
thousands of years ago. Our story's still being written. Um, but our, but our, we have the same swagger, if you will. Uh, we, we have the same Holy Spirit. Um, we have the same commissioning. We have the same instruction. Go make disciples. Tell, tell everybody about Jesus. Tell them about the good news. How that relates to our posture and Paul's posture, he recognizes, as we should, that we're bought with a price. And therefore, our lives are no longer our own, but God's. And that there was nothing Paul or any of us could do that could earn it. Uh, but it was totally a gift. And in truth, Paul form, and with great love and great patience, he wrote this letter. And he is, for the lack of a better word, in his letter, discipling the church at Corinth. When we talk a lot about posture at this church, because I think it's a critical thing that we must face as a church, because for far too long, not specifically ANC, but the church as a whole, um, has had horrible posture. We're known more for what we're against than what we're for or who we're for. Jesus told us to love God and love others, not be against X or boycott Y or hate Z. He gave us two commands, and they're connected. Love God and love others. Just pick a topic, pick a cultural topic, and throw it in a group of believers and see the venom that won't come out in a hurry. Um, It's not even right. So knowing that we have this posture problem is the first step to recovery, right? You always got to have the first step. Anybody? No. I'm not, anybody in recovery? No. Um, we're all in recovery. Remember that we're called, and there's nothing that we did to earn it. Paul writes later in the book of Ephesians, so that no man can boast. And then he writes in Romans that we think, ought not think more highly of ourselves than we should. Being called was humbling to Paul. And it should be humbling for us. Sometimes we need to remember that. Okay, then there's this, there's this thing called sanctification or set apart, set apart. You heard that term? It's kind of a churchy term, sanctification. Um, what this doesn't mean is set apart from, but set apart for. Okay? There's a big distinction there. At one point in time, to me, sanctification meant purging myself of worldly things which also meant removing me from the world. Um, now, I'm not saying that's entirely bad for a season because sometimes those things um, get in the way as, we try, as we're kind of new in faith and we're trying to devote our, our lives and our, our whole person to the, to the uh, being of, of Jesus. And we need a little space. We need to take a break from some of the strongholds in our lives, be they physical uh, be they material, relational, emotional. Sometimes we just need a break, and so that's okay. But what I'm not saying is don't withdraw. Uh, disciples are not supposed to withdraw and isolate. Um, but eventually a Christ follower needs to position himself or herself among people who do not follow Jesus, right? Um, that's how it works. See above, Great Commission, uh, Plan A. So uh, sanctification does not mean isolation. It's set apart for a purpose, right? Sanctification is a process by which we set our hearts and our lives um, apart and pursue Christ. And the closer we get to Christ, the more we become aware of our own sin. The sin of others still grieves us, but the sin should not grieve us as much as our own. Anybody? Yes? Amen? Amen. So, 
The last thing is, is the positive encouragement. Um, this, is, this is a great part about Paul's writing, and we see this over and over and over again in all of his letters, all of his epistles to all these churches. He is always the, the encourager, and I wonder if Barnabas wasn't present there, kind of giving him words into his ear about, hey, write this. Hey, Paul, do this. You know, because uh, as we know, Barnabas was, was known son of encouragement. And so Paul was, Paul was continually encouraging these little churches who were just fledgling. Like I said, 50, 50 years old for the, for the entire movement, I, and the church is probably three years old, I think, at this point. He's in his third missionary trip. I'm not sure how long they take, but assume a year, maybe two. So three to ten years. So these churches are, are fairly new. Um, but the recipients of the letter were living in this, in this city that was known for its sin. Uh, it was known for people who were, thought they were smarter than they were and people who sinned really hard. Um, they were, they were, there was infighting among the church. You saw this just creeping into the churches, and, and there was infighting going on and just a lot of div- divisiveness. And people were uh, quick to sue each other. Well, I think there's, there's different scriptures in here about that, and we may hit on those. But they, and they also entertained the false teachings, I.E.C., uh, holy vomiting. Um, and they lacked spiritual maturity. So uh, as a church, if you can imagine, um, uh, we're, we're about eight years old, so we fall in that three- to ten-year range. Uh, we bring in a lot of things. We bring in a lot of our old, our old junk with us. One of the things we do, and I'll mention a quick plug, we are having a partner class today from 2 to 4 at the point. It's like a commercial. Um, but we, we really ask you to, to, to unpack and, and at least identify the spiritual baggage that, that, that we all have. We carry it. Um, be it a, if, if you came from a strict fundamentalist background, if you come from a, a Catholic, there's just tons of different, um, different variations uh, of faith. And, and we just ask that you check that at the door. And let's... And let's really uh, pour into uh, the, the Christ and Christ alone theology and, and not, not bring all our junk with us. And one of the things we've, we've uh, celebrated at ANC in the past years is, is a spirit of unity. We've, we've always had that. Uh, and so we ask you, we're not perfect by any means. We're not a perfect church. But we'd ask you, as you come in, join the unity. Um, be, the, be the bridge builder. Be the peacemaker. Um, anyway, that's my commercial. But anyway, needless to say, Paul could have written them a scathing letter uh, of rebuke um, and give them a, a, a spiritual spanking, uh, but he really didn't have to. Because uh, we'll see not, not, not only in, a, in his greeting and his encouragement, but the entire letter, uh, the, the rest of his letters too, to all these churches, his reminders that Christ is sufficient he writes in 2 Corinthians that Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more great, gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He is all we need. He provides us with the indwelling Holy Spirit that he, that he indwelled the first disciples with, right? Same Holy Spirit. Um, and for those of us who are called... Via the Holy Spirit, he gives us all the knowledge. It says this in one of the, one of the first couple of verses there. Uh, where is it? In verse 5. For in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God gives us, give, God gives us the words to stay, say. He gives us the stories to tell. 
uh, as we relate to our neighbors, as we relate to our friends, relate, relate to our coworkers, he provides us with those. Uh, back to parenting for a second. And I talked about spanking or correction to begin with and what this letter is about. As parents, we, we know this, and I, I kind of alluded to this, we should never react and correct out of anger. And Paul could have been embarrassed by these churches. Uh, he could have been embarrassed. Harlan Capps could have been embarrassed by that story and never told me. Uh, he could have been embarrassed by the holy vomiting, but he, but he thought it a lesson at some point. Um, that there's a, there's a place and time for correction. Um, and we're going to see in this, in this chat, uh, book of 1 Corinthians that Paul lovingly guides this church back to, back to center, back to Christ. And so um, for all of us in the coming weeks as we are teaching through these Christian teachings, teaching specific to this church at Corinth, but then also generally for us as a church at A&C, let's recognize a few things. Let's recognize the posture that's written in. Let's be aware of Paul's position and our position. And let's hear the positive encouragement that he continually reinforces this gospel message, this, this good news story about Jesus. Um, and generally speaking, of Paul's words of encouragement and desire for unity among the believers uh, at Corinth today. Um, that's really all we need. As followers, we need, to, we need to be unified. We need to be of one mind, one purpose. And that's the way, um, that's the way we roll around here. So I was told to be short today. That was it. Um, kind of an intro to the book of Corinthians. We'll, we'll pick up more next week. And then the following week, Chris uh, Marlowe will be here. But, but uh, it, if you will, we're going we're gonna to take communion together as we always do. Um, so band, if you want to come on up and who's leading communion? Brandon, you want to come on up and lead us in communion? Let's pray.